This is the Essential Guide to Surviving Humanity with Michelle Frost and Gareth Wax. Now, when we left it last time, you were on the verge of talking a little bit more about what it's like to be the daughter of a narcissist. And I think you've got a book that you referred to at the beginning, but we're going to hear a little bit more from Mm. that. So, as I said, it was something that was recommended to me really early on in my life. I was diagnosed with low mood and depression. How old were you when that happened? Anxiety. I would say I probably had it to some extent at university, but didn't want to look at it. And then in my so that 20s, was that, that's in your early twenties. Mm, so when I came back from Japan, do you remember I said I had this sort of moment of really flying, and I come back home and everything's yeah, just something quite flat, didn't it? Yeah, exactly. So I think I was just yeah feeling very anxious, probably not sleeping, and I went to see this counsellor, and he said I must have talked about my mother as you do in therapy, and he said I think you might be the daughter of a narcissist. And interesting, this was reaffirmed in any all the therapy. Had, you know, did he say, tell me about your childhood? Of course he did. They have to. <laughs> not quite it's in that, the, not quite in that voice, Gary. You're doing your sexy voice I'm doing again. my sexy voice again. They don't do sexy voices. Hang on, hang on. Tell That'd me about weird. your childhood. <laughs> so when you did that and you, and you went through this, what did it bring up? Well, a relief initially because I thought I'm not alone. You know, there are lots of books about this. This is the one I've chosen. Did part of you think it's just me? Before that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't. I'd never really come across it. Sort of come across it. I've read about it. I think I heard it referred to in books but you're the first time I've actually had someone say to me do you know I've, I've actually had it identified that my mother was a narcissist mm. and part of the reason I am what I am is yeah. because of that experience. Yeah yes it's interesting because I actually realized that I was surrounded by women uh, and it was mainly women as I said who were also the daughters of narcissist mothers and you, you, do you guys attract each you other? You find each other you find each other my lovely but friend, unintentionally yeah I mean yes you, sort of gravity I I guess, I mean, remember, I remember I was going to these groups, these uh-huh. retreats and, you know, dancing and one friend, Caroline, in particular. Caroline. Caroline, yeah. She's a lovely friend of mine, lives around the corner and she also sort of self-diagnosed herself, self as, as the daughter of a narcissist. Right. Me? I remember sitting with her at a party and I could still see the gesture of us um, holding up like puppet strings. We felt like we were puppet strings and that our mothers would dance us around and then sometimes they'd let go and we'd just flop to the ground. Yeah. So they could put us up and they could drop us in They could in lift you up and in a blink of an eye just, just knock you flat. Total power over me. But the relief finding this book is that you know, there are thousands of us, there are forums that you can join and discuss what it feels like. But uh, ultimately, what you realise is that whatever you try to do, you will never, ever fix it. The relationship is impossible. And I think that's what I needed to hear, um, is that I, it wasn't me. My mother. So I just uh, quickly read the the back of this book because this is what made me go. I went tick, yes, tick, yes, tick. So she goes, do you find yourself emotionally bruised, upset and confused after being in touch with your mother? Do you find yourself doubting yourself, even feeling crazy as she remembers incidents totally different to how you remember them and denies other events even happened at all? Do you somehow feel like you're not a real person in her company? Does it seem that she gets cross, angry or upset when good things happen in your life? And does she seem happy and energised if you are having a trauma or crisis? But maybe that's your imagination, you tell yourself, because of course your own mother isn't going to be glad when you suffer, right? And round and round go your feelings and emotions and half-formed thoughts, so you think you must truly be crazy. And then she says, if this is true for you, you are far from alone. (sighs) 
feels quite hard to talk about it in a way because that is just exact. She describes exactly my relationship. Do you with remember the first time you read that, and did you have a sort of visceral reaction like you just uh, yeah, did? Yeah, it was like, oh my god, what I have. You know, I don't want to sound over eggy, but what I've suffered, you know, all my life trying to please my mother. You know, Christmases, Mother's Day trying to you know flowers chocolates cars it was never enough she was always scowl slightly at whatever i gave her as a present you know and so it's only really recently that i has have you as you know um not all my friends know that i it's called no contact where she says you can just cut all contact uh, she encourages you to write a letter which i never did which just says this is why i'm cutting all contact and uh, i think it's uh, almost a year to the day um, I, remember, I remember when you did it. Yeah, and I just said, enough. And in fact, you and Heather really encouraged me, and I'm really forever Because the point was, every time you went back, every time you went, you'd go there hoping mm. that somehow things were going to be slightly different. Mm. And all that happened was there would be some knockback. Mm. And you'd just take it like another dagger to the heart. Yeah, it was, it was so... You know, I love my mother, and so, you know, I, she's my mother, um, and she could be. This is the difficult thing: so tender and loving, and you know, she would compliment me now and again. But then, you know, in a, in a how often? Well, it would be when she knew that I was backing off, and then she'd, you know, she'd she'd lay it on. She could feel me withdrawing, and then she'd do an extra, you know, loving thing, or right. we'd go to the cinema. So, so we both know it was bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I learned that. But and you and it got to the point of re- recognizing it was fake. Mm. Yeah, my mother used to do the same thing. Yeah, and she describes. So I cut all contact with my mother for twenty years. Yeah, and I think that's why we get each other, isn't it? Is that, that sometimes we have to look after ourselves and put our own needs first? And it took me a long time to learn that. Yeah, you know, I was, as I've said in other podcasts, a people pleaser mm. all my life. Um, and we knew what you just said there is that I go back for more, expecting with hope. Yes. She talks about birds that that keep hitting themselves against the the glass and yeah. you know this because they don't really you, learn no it, and if you do the same thing you expect you know how can you expect a different result the definition of madness mm. is doing the same mm. thing again and again expecting different results each time mm. so I think again if anyone's listening that thinks that they may be the daughter of a narcissist mother yeah. so there's important things which she calls programmed beliefs so we live with these programmed beliefs which are really hard to recover from and they are things like I'm broken I'm ugly I'm not lovable I'll never amount to anything why bother you know I'm, I make mistakes all the time yeah um, I'm hopeless um, and it goes on so the story goes you know um, we are supposed seen as sort of hypersensitive types because we are triggered by old memories of the things that our mothers used to say to us so I, I wonder whether you know you've mentioned before that sometimes I'd you know leave the room in tears when you or the house when you said comment you know made comments on for you just a comment you know which well, is a statement of fact <laughs> yeah and I'd I'd have a probably what you saw as a, a massive overreaction. Was it would start off by very little reaction, and then within seconds it would it would escalate. I could see it mm. building up in your head mm. like dark clouds forming, and then before I'd know it, you'd be gone. Yeah, and I think because we we lack self esteem, we lack a sense of self, we lack trust. Then we're easily triggered back to that place where we were hurt. You know, so so I had this sense of relief, and then and she said. And I, I am going to read them because they're so powerful when I read them again recently, just thinking about this podcast. Um, she says, she asks you, do you have difficulty accepting compliments? Yes. Do you have self-esteem issues? Yes. Um, do you struggle to know who you are? Yes. And we've talked about, haven't we, my search mm, for my identity. Absolutely. 
do you feel powerless against your mother? Obviously, we've talked about that. Um, do you lack confidence? Do you have difficulty being assertive? Yes. Do you have difficulty trusting others, expressing emotion of anger and hurt? We've talked about that. Addiction is a big one. I, I guess, am I addicted? I probably would say when the gyms were open, I'm a bit gym addicted. I'd say that's something that helps me feel better about myself. So other things, no, but I know it's a big part of um, being a doctor of analysis. Um, self-neglect is a big one and this is a really important one she says there's a disconnect between thoughts and feelings so you'll have a thought this is not okay I don't feel okay you know this person is in a being appropriate with me this feels slightly abusive but you don't do anything about it because at the time you're you're not having the feeling so there's a stayed delayed reaction between the thought and the feeling so then later on you look back and you think that was inappropriate that was inappropriate but you only have the feeling later on so that's a so that delayed it. reaction thing, when he suddenly hits you, do you suddenly catch yourself going, oh my God, what an idiot I was. I didn't see this before. Yeah, it's weird. It's like, it's scary because it's, um, it means that you've, you've missed the moment to actually do anything about yeah, it. Yeah, because you, know? you, you, you really wanted to be saying something actually at the time. Mm-hmm. So that's another typical one. Um, yeah, and then you're either an overachiever or an underachiever. So I recognise that in my friends who I know are daughters of narcissists. Half of them are mostly actually overachievers. So they're all bigger houses, better jobs, promotions, careers, ambitious, and it's still not enough. The house, you know, but it's still not enough. And and it's what, low and going back to what he says, the therapist, is that they have everything but it's still not enough. And I think they feel empty. It's like sand in their mouth. Yeah. And it is, comes back to this. We, we numb ourselves to protect ourselves from being hurt, I think. So, um, and, and I think I'm an underachiever. So I'm uh, always, as you know, slightly on the edge financially. And that's because I was taught that material things are only things that you have to really earn and you don't deserve them. And they're often taken away. They were given to you and taken away. So that's really the essence of what she describes. You've been on the cusp of, of achievement many times. It's not your fault that it's been taken away, but it must be reinforcing for yeah. you in many ways. Well, I think unconsciously, yeah, I don't believe that I deserve success and happiness. And, Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and interestingly, as I said, when I saw Russell Brandt's amazing podcast, with uh, you know, I just go, why am I even bothering? And that's what we do. Why am I bothering? I'm not going to... What's the point? I'm not going to get success. I'm not going to have success. First of all, you know he's one of a billion podcasts out there. I know. I know. <laughs> so quickly, what she says to get through this, what's her conclusion is um, you have to heal. And in order to heal, you have to go to therapy and choose your therapist carefully. You know, uh, choose a therapist that isn't going to go, oh, it's not... You know, you don't want to talk about your mother that way. It should be respect your mother. There are therapists like that. So it understands the concept of the daughter of a narcissist um, mother. She has a whole chapter, which I uh, don't really know much about, which is self-tapping. Um, I think Heather knows about that. Is that like emotional freedom technique? I think that's EFT. That's exactly what it is. That's yeah. what it is, EFT. And you, you, um, you say certain um, mantras to yourself. Yeah, you, you, I think what you do is you're attaching certain physical movements or touches to certain thoughts that way you, you can effectively re-trigger them by mm. just doing that tap later mm. on have you tried it because it's the karate chop and the thing under the arms and all these different no, no. I, I have tried it and it has no effect on me at all no. but 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 i know it does work for some people mm. and you know more power to them yeah yeah so um and i remember a counselor saying to me michelle you've just got to grieve 
They're and by the way, before them. anybody writes any nasty comments, I just want you to understand, I don't believe and will work with many of these things, items. However, I know they work for some people. Mm. And as long as they're not harming anyone, and as long as not being ripped off by lots of money, they should go do it. Mm. So my wife is a spiritualist, a healer, Reiki practitioner, a hypnotherapist, all those sort of things that I would myself not really delve in. But I know it helps a lot of people, so I mean, she should do it. Exactly what it's about, um, and she. So um, I just wanted to clear that up. Yeah, I remember a therapist saying to me, "You have to start grieving for the love you never had right. from your mother," and that was a really important um, piece of advice. Like, how do you do that? I've no idea, but it was it was something that you know a seed in my mind that that's what I had to do. I think it, you can only start grieving for something when you feel that essence of grief there. I mean I keep being told that I should grieve for the people I've lost and I have n- feel no need to grieve for anyone. I mean how do you know when you're going to start? Interesting there's a chapter at the end of the book that she says no none of you would do this. Um and it's sort of to do with uh, your inner child, the child that you know, wasn't loved, and you're meant to get a doll or a representative of the little child that uh. Uh, wasn't loved and treat it in a way that you would have loved to have been treated what, as a child. Put pins in it, or no, no, <laughs> the opposite of no, that. Oh, rock it and you know hold it on your lap and stroke its back. And I mean, it's something actually. It's very kinesthetic. I'm a kinesthetic person, as you know, and I yeah. love doing. I'm a tactile person, so. But it's funny that she said, "You won't do this," because it feels weird probably you know and contrived but um i would really recommend the book because it's it's really well written and she uh, was a daughter of a narcissist herself hence her wanting to read and write this book and create these forums for uh, we're called d-o-m's oh, daughters of narcissist mothers you're the doms we're the doms <laughs> that's a bit of an Not unfortunate name yeah yeah so i just some sort of summarise um, what we've discussed in, a, in in part one and two, which yeah, is, let's try to pull some positive pull some conclusions. Together. Let's like nice positive strong nice conclusions. Positive, yeah, don't worry about the the this image that we're all meant to be, which is um, obviously you and I can't be that, but you know this. 22-year-old Kardashian with the perfect boobs and the slim body and global, you know, interglobalization. perfect boobs. <laughs> and entrepreneurial. It, none of us, we don't all have to be like that. That's impossible. Right. Uh, Nor do we have to aspire to it, frankly. No, exactly. Turn your back on this toxic lie that, you know, Ugh. you don't have to be perfect and there's this amazing fantasy that we can all strive towards and dream about being. You know, just understand your limitations, understand your strengths, what you love doing, which is what we've talked about in Mortality Podcasts, and... Be kind to yourself and surround yourself. No, with stop being simple. such an asshole to yourself, for God's sake. Be kind to yourself. But also, I think knowing your diagnosis is actually the starting point. And I know for me, understanding my diagnosis meant that I could start to heal. But even without diagnosis, just recognise that you could be a little bit nicer to yourself. Cut yourself a little bit of slack. Do you know what? Yeah. Life is for living, not for totally turning over and looking at yourself and causing yourself problems by telling yourself you're not good enough that's rubbish yeah and i and i would say a final thing is give people a break because their reaction to something you say or do might seem to you like they are catastrophizing but actually it could be that their pain body is being triggered some old feeling is being triggered uh, and it's not actually about you at all so it's stimulus response is that is that what you're saying yeah yeah and accept that uh, this could be something that's to do with um yeah psychological state of mind at the time This has been the Essential Guide to Surviving Humanity with Michelle Frost and Gareth Wax. 